Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone! In this episode, it's all about bringing it all together. We discuss our struggles and journey to assemble our very own gaming shelves and give tips for how to spruce up yours. For the shelfie, we align parts of gallery paintings in canvas. For our escape room report, we go back to elementary school at the Escape Games Irvine playing playground and share our Friday favorites for the month. So Lauren, one thing that I've especially enjoyed lately mm-hmm. um, is the A-L-E-X-A routines. <laughs> yes. I don't want to say the word because... And it will activate all of your... <laughs> so from now on, whenever I say the A word, I mean... Alex with an A at the end. I think we all know... The little robot that lives in our house. And listens to everything I say and do. (laughs) Um, She had a lot of things to say about my bathroom hygiene recently. (laughs) No, but one thing I really like to do is to mess around with her routines. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we we used to have a little war going back and forth about, like, whenever we say bedtime. And, like, to have her shut down the lights, that she would, like, whisper different things towards the dark, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, um... I recently discovered that I compare that with musical cues. Mm-hmm. So one, so what I'm bringing to game night is fun a word routines with musical cues for whenever we play board games. So mm-hmm. I can say a word. We're playing Ticket to Ride. It should load up the Beatles. I've got a Ticket to Ride, mm-hmm. you know, or any other kind of custom music for like background noise. I can get like I usually like to do Potion Explosion with like you know, sounds from Professor Snape's uh, laboratory or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, it's, it's like Professor Slug with Professor Snape like, yeah. on the box, you mm-hmm. know. It's essentially the Harry Potter, like, potions class. Just copyright, legally distinct, you know. But mm-hmm. um, So it's fun to do things like that. How about you? What are you bringing to game night? So one thing that I can't remember if I talked about in a previous um, episode, it's still relatively new to us, is we did finally break down and join... Um, a new social media that we kind of held out on previously, um, and that is TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, our handle is a little bit different from our other social media. We are at Game Friday on all social media, um, but on TikTok we are at Game underscore Friday because uh, someone had already taken a Game Friday. Um, and we haven't posted a lot. We, we like to use it to watch stuff, <laughs> but we're still getting used to posting stuff. Um, we do have some fun new, um, videos up about board games low that, um, might interest some of you. So, um, if you like TikTok or use it, um, you might want to go check us out over there. And actually that kind of is a nice segue for us into the main topic today about mm-hmm. assembling and bringing it all together. Because one of the TikTok videos that you've posted on there is kind of the photographic journey that we've gone through of building our own board gaming shelves. Yeah, so um, for those of you who kind of have listened regularly, or especially if you listen to any of our other podcasts, you know that we've been in this long process of um, moving and having um, a new home built. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to, we, we previously lived somewhere that was an older place, and we kind of wanted something that was fresh and new where we didn't constantly have to fix things. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it took a lot longer than we expected because of COVID. That slowed a lot of building down and stuff. But we're finally in. Um, and one of the things that early on we knew that we wanted to do is we wanted to have our dining area kind of also be our gaming area and be very dedicated in a way to that in some respects still functioning kind of as a nice adult dining area Mm -hmm. but also be kind of our our gaming area so we kind of took 
pictures over time and we planned out what we wanted to do with that area. Yeah, you were the real visionary from the start. You know exactly it's going to go on this wall here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, I'm down. Because the thing <laughs> is, you play The Sims more than anyone else I've ever known. When I first met her, I was like, oh, you played The Sims? And I saw like one box in your closet. And I was like, oh, you got one of the... Oh, you got all the expansions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, when it came to designing what's what room's going to be what mm-hmm. room, I'm like, go up, go for it. Yeah. I just live here, you know? Yeah, well, I think what would probably surprise a lot of people is that, especially if they know us, um, our house is not as nerdy as you might think it would be. Um, you know, we do have some stuff, but um, I've never been one to have lots of you know toys or posters out i tend to be when it comes to my decor i do really love um interior design and stuff like that and i tend to be a little bit more adult in that respect where i like um nice photographs and Mm -hmm. you know nicer thing not to say that the other stuff's not nice by any means but just like i'm i'm less prone to wanting to display say pop figures in my house you know we have some in our office and that's fine but those are limited to a shelf yeah but i don't want them as our you know what everybody sees when they come to our house necessarily um so you know for when we're thinking about our game room i wanted something that was both um fun and showed our love for games but also could still kind of be you know serious at the same time in some respects um but at the same time you know i'm I, I don't mind having games out, one, because it is such a big part of our lives and our personality. And what's the difference between having a bunch of board games on a shelf and having a bunch of books on a shelf? Right. You know, like they still function kind of in the same aesthetic. It's still a conversation starter. Yeah. It's still something you can share with others. It adds others. color to a room. It, right. It, I mean, some we'll talk about it later, but some of the board games I specifically displayed are based upon the artwork on the box. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's... You know, it's a group activity that sometimes, you know, sometimes games even tell a story. And you're right, mm-hmm. like books yeah. tell a story. Games can sometimes tell a story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think so, you know, as in, with anything, if, you, if you've ever purchased a home or moved, you know that things don't always happen as quickly as you might want them to. Um, it's sort of, it's a process. And that's very true right now because things are woefully out of stock. Um, and so that's one of the problems we had. We knew we wanted to go with um, Ikea Calyx shelves. K-A-L-L-A-X. Which are kind of the... A lot of the big people who collect board games, a lot of them use these kind of shelves. They're very specific. Even if you've never heard of Calyx shelves, you've probably seen them. They're a very classic Ikea sort of square book Yeah, shelves. it's like a cubic foot mm-hmm. hole. You know, and like they have like a bunch of them, like different shapes and sizes. They have like two by twos, uh-huh. two by fours, four by fours. Really, there's a Calyx for every lifestyle. Yeah. But, <laughs> and for any space that you might want to. They're very, you know, like you can combine them and mm-hmm. make kind of different shapes. Um, and they come in a variety of different colors. Um, we particularly wanted these walnut ones, which are like this grayish wood tone. Which would have gone perfect with the house. Yes. But unfortunately, we couldn't find those to save our lives. Yeah. We, we've waited for several months, hoping that they would come back in stock, you know, basically stalking the IKEA website, um, even checking when we were there, even though we knew they say they were out of stock, just hoping that maybe they yeah. would have some. Um, and you know, finally we got to a place where we were tired of our board games living on the ground. And also like you knew we needed five specific pieces Yes. for this thing. Three of yeah. the two by fours and two of the two by twos. And I told you, okay, but what's going to happen if 
just like two of those five pieces get into stock for the color that we want do we buy them and then just hope that eventually someday down the road they make it and like the rest make, come make back. the rest of them yeah or do we just go for what is in stock right now today as we're talking and get our runner-up color of white like matte white uh-huh. and know that we can buy all five of those pieces right now yeah yeah and you know it was kind of um the white the white goes fine in our house yeah, you know we have a lot of white, of white we have white cabinets and this is directly off our kitchen so we knew it would work it wasn't our preferred but basically we kind of came up with a plan of how we could dress them up a little bit more yeah. you know um and i mean the good thing they're classic white so they kind of go with everything mm-hmm. they're very versatile and you know the good thing about ikea is obviously nothing is super break the bank so mm-hmm. years down the line we decide we don't like them that's not a big deal they can also kind of grow with us as we need them to which yeah. i like um eventually they can become storage for like kids books or toys yeah know? exactly um and the the great thing is too is ikea actually has um four calyx shells they have an online planner where you can kind of size out the different pieces oh, nice. and combine them you can't stack them in mm. the planner, which, but it, I kind of was able to like kind of figure that out on my own because we do have a couple pieces that are stacked. Um, but you can kind of see the general footprint. It gives you the measurement so you can com- compare that to your wall. So it kind of makes the uh, buying process easy in terms of figuring out exactly which pieces you need. Nice. So that's why I kind of knew, okay, we need three of these and two of these. <laughs> what I thought was interesting, I didn't know this, but when I looked online, the calyx shelves are even meant to be floating shelves. Yeah, you can't have them be floating. Because we have them resting on the ground mm-hmm. for the most part. But I was like, oh, I would have never thought to float these. That's yeah. amazing. But technically, yeah, uh-huh. they're perfectly designed for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So we were able to get those and put them together. That Actually, putting them together wasn't... I mean, you did most of that. But, I was going to say, I did all of the putting but them together. But I don't think it was that. Like, compared to the other stuff we've had to build... No, it's easy once you figure out what the order is. Essentially, you just repeat the same step over and over again. But yeah, it's a a breeze. And it's pretty much just like dowels. Just bring a pillow for your knees. Yeah. Because you're going to be kind of squatting on the ground a lot. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a lot of dowels and then the um, um, just basic screws that connect them on the ends, really. Yeah. Pretty simple construction. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have have three of the uh, four by twos. That mm-hmm. they that they offer, and then we have um, two of the just the four cube pieces. Two by twos, yeah. Yeah, the two by twos. Um, and so what we did is we kind of made this U shape where we have one piece lying down, and we're we are eventually going to put like a wood topper on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't gotten there yet. And then on either side are two, and then we've stacked the little cubes on the very top. Right. Um, and then what we did is um, obviously we. Anchor them to the wall, which is, I think, important wherever you are for tip and safety purposes for your pets or kids or anything like that. But we also live in California where there's earthquakes. Right. So that's also kind of a necessary step. We did have a problem there, though, because we have a baseboard. Mm-hmm. And these things are meant to be flush against the wall. So, or at least the brackets they come yeah. with are. So they wouldn't reach. So what we had to do is we had to go and buy these anti-tip straps. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you can get them on Amazon. Yeah, you can probably get them at Ikea as well. It was just at the time we yeah. didn't know that we were going to need them. So. But it, it's super easy. It's like this little hard plastic bracket mm-hmm. that has a tiny little hole for like a literally a zip tie to go through. Yeah. Because zip ties are really sturdy. Like, mm-hmm. you know. And so we 
bracket there, bracket onto the wall, bracket there, bracket on the wall. We did that like eight times. So that way, like, there's no way this thing's going, like, you know, because you want to distribute the weight in case yeah. start, like an earthquake happens. Or in the future, if kids start to climb it, because mm-hmm. let's face it, I was a climber. Long story <laughs> short, I once tried to climb up the the shelves in the pantry mm-hmm. in the kitchen and the shelf like slipped and everything fell on me. I was like about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. My parents were pissed. They were like, are you okay? Good. <laughs> like, you know, like, they beat me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I deserved it. You know? <laughs> and then what we did, um, because we were stacking and like I said, I kid, I kid doesn't tell you, you can't stack them, <laughs> but, and a lot of people do. And I, I had made sure like, I saw many examples where people like, stack them. So I knew that people did it. It's something that can be done. Yeah. It can be they done. They just don't yes. recommend. They, yeah, they don't come out and say, oh yes, do this. So what we decided to do is in, in addition to also anchoring that top bit, we have put a little plate in the back of we the two. We put two plates in the back of each. Yeah, so that they would, they're would they essentially connected together, but they also are connected in a way that we could take them down if we ever needed to. Right. Um, and that was just once again because I didn't, even though I knew it would be somewhat secured to the wall, I didn't want them constantly shifting and moving around. Yeah, that's a very smart idea. So um, that was something we did. Um, you know, and it's still, I think, you know, once we, we put our games up and it does make it look like our, our collection's kind of small. <laughs> yeah. Our, I thought you used to think we had this like, huge collection, but now I'm like, oh, we ain't nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think part of the thing that we'll also be doing is looking to fill some of these shelves with more, um, like decor items and things as Nick well. Knicks, yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of keeping my eye open for maybe some like vintage game related stuff that Mm -hmm. we could put there. Um, Of course, you know, the default always is I collect uh, antique cameras. So I could always add some more cameras to my collection. You could. (laughs) You love going to swap meets and stuff and buying that stuff, which is fine. Um, But yeah, and and, you know, there's room too. If we get more games, we're not suddenly having... Because before we would have to play the game of, okay, well, we got a new game. Can we keep it out here or does it have to go in a closet? And if it does come out here... What has to go away? For long-time you know? listeners, you may know this as board game jail. Yeah, board game jail. <laughs> we no longer have a need for board game jail because we have plenty of room for everything. There's still board game jail if a game upsets me enough. Yes. It goes into board game jail. <laughs> yeah, but um, Greg has decided to, dis- on our very top shelves, he has a couple that are just displayed by themselves. So just that... because I like the boxes. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm trying to organize them so that each cube is a based upon like a theme mm-hmm. you know like in one i kind of have like the horror themed games uh-huh. like like mysteria betrayal at house on the hill paranormal detectives in one uh cube especially because of the tokyo olympics that are taking place right now i have all of our japanese themed games because mm-hmm. we actually have four japanese based games or one based upon japanese culture anyways yeah you know um or like in one i have all the expansions we have to actually two we have all the expansions we have for <laughs> ticket right because we have so many yeah um yeah so it's it's fun and like i said it gives us more room to grow i i know one of the things we did previously that i think is probably some people people either love it or hate it is we had stored our games um vertically instead of horizontally which does make it easier to pull games out without having to play the whole like oh i have to take these out and then you know but it does sometimes cause stuff to shift around i like to store them horizontally Mm laying flat because yeah i don't want stuff like falling out of its little like you know, insert pockets. Uh-huh. And, and then it's just a nightmare when you open it. So I, I'm keeping them as horizontal as I can, 
only doing vertical when I must. Yeah. Because like I want to keep the thing together, and this one I, I just want to squeeze it in on the side, you mm-hmm. know. So I'll I'll bite that bullet. But for the most part, I'm more of a I'm more of a horizontal guy. <laughs> Um, and then the other kind of fun thing that we did, um, that you'll see if you go on any of our social media is, um, I decided to add, um, strip lighting to the back of the bookcase. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't go every shelf. It's more of like an outline. Um, I think they would have been overkill if you did every shelf. Probably. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's a good bright glow. So we don't, didn't really need it. Um, there's tons of different strip lighting you can get. Um, I mean, Ikea sells one. I, it didn't get great reviews, which is why I didn't go with theirs. Um, Amazon has all sorts of different kinds you can get. Um, the kind I got, the only reason I got it specifically was price. It was only um, like $30 a reel. Oh, that's not bad so at all. So it was, it was, yeah, it was very and economical. I didn't see you do it, but from, I didn't hear you complaining when you put it up. So apparently it's pretty easy to It It wasn't, it, yeah, it was. I mean, it did the first day that I was working on it, it did leave me with some head scratching um the oh well i was gonna say the other reason i got the one i got is because particularly it it advertised that it worked with a word as you mentioned earlier okay so this Um, one specifically works with a word yeah and i think a lot of them probably do but this one specifically advertised that it did so i was like okay that's good um, and that's one thing I've also been doing with the routines is, yeah. like I said, I'll try to put music and I'll try to think of like, what color or colors do I think go well with yeah. this thing? You know, so for something like Betrayal of House on the Hill, I'll have it turn kind of like a darker green. Yeah. You know, because I think that kind of sets the mood a bit more. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're, basically they're just, they're stick on. These ones you can actually cut. They have a very particular spot where you can cut them and then you can connect them. Um, the only thing that was hard was I had thought I was being really smart by buying some different connectors that can connect the different strips together. Mm-hmm. But the set I got, um, some of the connectors, like they just weren't, they like the angle that they would have to go in and where you would have to place the, the ends, it just wouldn't work for the angle I wanted it to go on. Uh. Um, so I was only, I, I did end up using some of the connectors, but like half of them were like completely worthless to me. So I was a little upset about that. And so that definitely the first day I was like sitting there, like beautiful reminding how I was going to do it. The other thing that I did in particular is the way I put the strips on once again, I did it being mindful of if we need to remove these. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, one of the things is I know eventually we'll probably paint and we haven't painted in the house. So we will at that point probably have to move the bookshelves away from the walls. Right, so but all paint. I do is just cut zip ties and then we can Yeah, but it, should we need to take anything down and stuff, um, the pieces all disconnect from each other. Oh, okay. So that we can do that without having to, like, redo it. Right. Um, we did end up having to use two reels. We didn't have to use a lot of the extra reel. Um, but once again, that the economical price made that possible. Yeah. Um, and we can we can have it cycle colors. We can do a lot of different colors. Apparently, it also syncs up to music. We have not played with that what? yet. What? I can yes. do the Wizard of Oz like Pink Floyd <laughs> in here? Um, and the great thing is when it's turned off, no one knows the lights are there. Yeah. Um, so once again, it kind of goes back to having like a space that's a little bit versatile that can kind of be like the adult space and then the fun space. Yeah. Um, or also it can just turn like a, a soft white color too if we just want it to kind of be a, a highlight or a display on our items. So it ha- it adds a little bit more fun and versatility to the space. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think if you guys want to kind of spruce up or like 
take your little gaming area to the next level, definitely recommend some of those strip lights. Mm-hmm. I think that really helps it, you know. Um, and if you can, get one that pairs with the A-Word app. Yeah. If you happen to have an A-Word, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because then you can do all sorts of fun little routines with it, you know. Or one thing that I know you saw that somebody did online was they had, like, like these little, like, what are they called? RFD chips or something? Or RFI? RFI, RFI chips, yeah. Maybe. Where, like, they could, like, scan, like, the, the front of their game box, mm-hmm. and it automatically does the program there. So they can yeah. just pick up, you know, um, they can just pick up, like, uh, Sagrada, scan mm-hmm. it, and then it starts playing the music, and it starts the lights and the right, you know, colors and sequence yeah. and all that. We're, we're thinking of doing that. We haven't gotten that far. But, you oh, know... We're going to do what, it. Once again, all of this is a, pro- a process, right? So, you know, the, the other thing is it looks it looks good now. But we want to add the topper. We need to add some artwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's all like um, a process and it's going to evolve over time. Um, and that's the thing. You know, I think some people who would look at our collection would be like, oh my goodness, you have so many board games. Other people who look at our collection would be like, oh my goodness, people, you don't have nearly enough board games. Yeah, for people who have a podcast about board games, you don't seem to have a lot. Um, you know, and the thing is your collection is whatever you want it to be. You could just be starting out. Everything is a process. You can't have all of the games right this minute. It just doesn't work that way. And then also like, I remember when my game collection was really first starting, the few that I had at the beginning, I used to play them all the time and I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed those ones. But now it's like, whenever I get a new game, I feel like I play it two or three times and then like, I don't remember the last time I touched it. Yeah, there's always something new coming out, you know, so it's like, oh, well, our attention's always being pulled away from them. And I kind of feel almost bad about mm-hmm. having games that I don't really touch anymore, you know, so, like, I almost feel obligated to be like, oh, I should have a rotational system or something where, like, I have to play this game before I can play this game again, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't want to be forced to play a game that I don't want to play, necessarily. But, yeah. You know, it is, and, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. so... I, I don't want to fill up the shelves because of a manifest destiny of like all space must be full. Yeah. And we also, I think, have gotten a little bit more mindful of the games we buy. Mm-hmm. We don't just buy something because it's new or it's the new hot thing. Um, and we've definitely parted with games that we've decided that, you know, we never really liked this game to begin right. with. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a regret, a regretful purchase or, right. you know, purchasing a game that maybe is really popular and you just don't like, you know? Right. And also we've learned to not buy into games that have a, uh, a tie into a popular property. Like there's been plenty of games for The Office that have come out mm-hmm. that we're both big fans of, but we looked at the actual gameplay mechanics and, like, and we're like, this doesn't sound That fun. doesn't sound like us doesn't sound like our gaming group mm-hmm. or it just doesn't sound fun in general which like for other people that may be fun and it may be perfect for them yeah but for us in our gaming group it was not a fit and that's yeah fine. and i think it's just important that you know everybody starts somewhere and just because your collection isn't huge maybe mm-hmm. if you enjoy the games that you have that's all that important yeah. now if your game collection consists of monopoly and clue i will judge you just saying <laughs> okay, touche. Yeah, but at the same time, if you know what, fly your little freak flag of well, monopoly and clue. You know, I feel like maybe maybe you should look for other things. There might be better things out there. We've got a previous episode about it. Go listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> I will direct you to the past. <laughs> but yeah, um, you had mentioned that we definitely want to put up some artwork. You know, because yeah. the walls a little bit bare otherwise. You uh-huh, know, like uh-huh. we can light up with some color, but we need some actual like thing to look at when the lights aren't on. But yeah. speaking of artwork, let's go into our shelfie. Mm-hmm. 
And this time, the shelfie is one that our friends brought over the other day called Canvas. Now, Canvas is uh, an artistic game, as the name might um, allude you to think of. It is by Road to Infamy Games. Um, and I, I want to point this out specifically. The artist, her name is Luan Hyun. And gorgeous artwork. Yeah, really cool. I, I'm not good about the, remembering what the different like format is. This like kind of like a watercolor thing, would you say? It, yeah, it looks? definitely feels very watercolor. Like I thought watercolory, but I wasn't hundred yeah. percent sure. It's not pastels, I know that, mm-hmm. but like it's got like the kind of like semi soft edges to everything, uh-huh. you know. But like really gorgeous, and uh, it's one to five players. Uh, it takes about half an hour, it predicts. But we know how that goes. Take that time, multiply it by two, and that's a realistic. Yeah, time. but definitely this is a game that isn't going to take a long time, especially once you understand how it works. Mm-hmm. It won't take that long. I, I really think that this is a great and possibly my new favorite um, appetizer game. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the game that you can bust out before you have your beef entree. Yeah, and that's what we did the other night. We we had this game as the first game, and then we did um, a expansion to the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts game. Uh-huh. And that one game took the rest of the night. It took like three hours. Yeah. This game maybe took 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. but that's because all of us were learning it. But it was a really great game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we we our friends also are very big into games, so they also have a lot of games, which is another reason that our collection maybe doesn't need to be as big because As, we just because borrow they, off them and they yeah, borrow off like us. Yeah, they have games, we have games. So we, you know, we don't need to buy a certain game because they already have it. But this one kind of falls into that category where I would be tempted nope, to, buy to buy it because I would want just to be able to play it when they're not here or to also be able to take it to like family and play This it. is a game that I feel that anyone can play. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Okay, yes, there is a point system to this. And it is a little confusing at the beginning. Yeah. But then once you understand it and are starting to play, it, it makes a lot more sense. So... But I, I have another way you can play this game. And maybe mm-hmm. it's in the rules, maybe it's not. I didn't take a look at the rules once. But, okay, so there's a point system where it's kind of like Gloom. And I think this is a fantastic new um, tool that games are using where you have semi-transparent cards, mm-hmm. where it's mostly transparencies that have key details written on them, uh, specifically on the bottom section that overlay on top of each other to then either add or cover up previous uh, possible points to be scored. Yeah, so it's all about not only which cards you get, but how you stack them. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you have a easel in the back mm-hmm. with, a, with a blank kind of basic canvas of like, let's just say green and pink swirls. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you squint, maybe a rose garden, but like it's not necessarily anything in particular, mm-hmm. right? So you lay on top of these three different transparencies and each of them has one element of an artwork it could be like a wrought iron gate it could be barbed wire it could be just an umbrella floating in the middle it could be a pug a pug statue yeah (laughs) it could be god's finger pointing down Mm -hmm. whatever you know there's a thousand things in here and you lay three of them on top and then on the bottom you have these little colored paint swatch things um and some of these will cover up two of those so example you might get the one of um butterflies and that covers up the yellow and green one or you might get one of the sailing ship and that covers up the blue and red one right but how you stack them up because sometimes if you get the umbrella it can stack up the red and the yellow one Mm -hmm. so oh no i'm losing something from my ship and my butterflies yeah which is better for me to have Mm -hmm. right and there there's these other cards that you put out that tell you how those colors and how the symbols there matter for the points and scoring 
it's impossible to, to describe now. And mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try. If you want to see that, go online to something like Board Game Geek and see that. But suffice to say, there's these different symbols at the bottom, like a triangle, a rainbow color wheel, kind of like an eclipsing sun. And based upon what cards you have for how the things score, you can possibly get points. Yeah. There, that's your shorthand for it. I think the better way to play this game and how I suddenly... And I, I was doing that. I was focusing on the point system of this game for far See, too I, long. I was focusing on the art for most and of it. And I think that's the correct way to play mm-hmm. it. As much as the point system is enjoyable for people like me who like to try to find, quote, yeah. the right answer, I think the way you were playing it, and I realized this halfway through, I was like, Lauren's right. I Who cares if I win? Because I don't get anything for mm-hmm. win. I just say win. I should instead be focusing on making the art that I think is the most enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to do. Like, at the end, like, okay, one of my paintings scored, like, a perfect score. For yeah. what it could have. Who cares? But at the end, I did, like, oh, I had, like, a protesting crowd with a Pegasus flying over it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the finger of God pointing down. I'm like, I could actually, like, present this and, like, tell you a story about what it means, uh-huh. you know? And I thought that was fun. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. I feel like you're building the cards that would go to Mysterium. Kind of, yeah. You that's, know? <laughs> no, that's pretty much what you're yeah. doing. You're building the Mysterium cards. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's what's kind of cool about it is you can play this kind of right brain or left brain. Yeah. Right? So you could play this without caring anything about the art. and Because, like, as our friend said, at the end of the day, when it comes to scoring, the art doesn't actually matter. What matters is what's at the bottom of the card. So you could totally play it that way. Or you could totally play it based on the artistic value. The first one I did, I only looked at the artistic value. You know why? I didn't understand how the scoring worked. Right. So I didn't really... All I knew is I needed to get like the different colors at the bottom. So that's... I kind of was like, okay, well, I have all the different colors. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have this photo I like. So I'm going to present that. I ended up getting scoring every single point, basically. I got right. like a perfect score for that one. So I was like, oh, well... Even though I didn't pay attention to scoring and I didn't care so much, I was just trying to create a cool photo and, you know, arbitrarily kind of try to make a full rainbow at the bottom because I kind of knew I had to. Um, Other than that, like, it still worked for me and it still got me points. So it didn't matter that I didn't fully understand or that I wasn't going for a high score. Now, if you don't really get the art and you don't really care about, like, oh, if it has butterflies or not... You don't really have to pay attention to that. You could just look at, okay, well, I need to get all these different colors and I'll maximize my score if I get triangles. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it, it, both people can play this game and have kind of an equally enjoyable time, I think. Yeah. You know what I think would be the perfect way to play this game? Uh, yes, you can do the scoring thing, mm-hmm. right? And then you can award, like, okay, whoever comes out in first place gets however many points, second place, however many points. But what I would do then is, if possible, if you have, like, a good number of people who come late to the party or like maybe because this goes up to five players maybe you have a sixth player mm-hmm. or a seventh player right that they can't quite get into the game what you do is you have them be the critics afterwards yeah i think it'd be fun if you go through this game you put up your three pictures your three mm-hmm. portraits your three canvases and everyone else does and you because you remember which ones were yours yeah right? yeah, yeah. And then what you do is you have them all lined up in the counter and then you have your other friends come into the room. So they can go have a conversation off on the side and enjoy themselves and maybe play a different game. But then you have them come in and you say, we want you to give the blue ribbon to the one that you like the most, the red ribbon, the one that you like second. Uh-huh. Things like that. And then just kind of see, like, see if you can pick your friend's brains. Because also how this game works is it is kind of a competition to try to get to these pieces. 
Because yeah. we may both want the set of chomping teeth as the border. Mm-hmm. But it just depends upon how soon the turn order is going to come up. And, and, and how much... Because basically you kind of have these points that you can spend. So it's how badly do you want it and do yeah. you have enough maybe to spend to get it? Because I could take the one that's on the left of the conveyor belt. It's a conveyor belt-like system to get yeah. these things for... I could take the one on the left for free. Or I could spend three inspiration points to get the teeth at the end. But to get more inspiration points, I have to then pick up a card later on the end for free mm-hmm. that has those on it. Yeah. So I'm giving those to other people so they can get what they want before mm-hmm. me. So it's like this kind of really great system of like back and forth. Like, um, is it worth it mechanics? Yeah, exactly. You're definitely like you're weighing odds and kind of need factors. I know it's a lot of times where like, at one point, someone grabbed one thing off the table, and at least half the table was like, "I really yeah. want, I wanted that. I wanted that flying clown so much mm-hmm. that it was go perfect with my thing." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we are definitely going to buy this game. Mm-hmm. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous, absolutely enjoyable game, and I want to play it again. And like I said, just tell people, don't worry about the point system. Like honestly, that's how I would play mm-hmm. this. I would say, don't worry about the point system. Um, we're just going to play this artistic game. And we're just going to have fun making these great paintings. Because like that's why I think the real true enjoyment out of this. Yeah, is. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that was how I was playing just because I was like, oh, this is fun. I want to create a cool picture. And I just think that's so novel that... Because in other games, like, yes, you could argue with something like Ticket to Ride. I just want to cr- connect all of my trains and all my cities. I don't care about what position I come in. Uh-huh. As long as I did the good job of I got Boston to Chicago to New York or L.A., right? Mm-hmm. But here, you could still, you could 100% ignore the point system. You could just line up the art and just be happy. Mm-hmm. And what do these symbols mean in the bottom? Who cares? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous art. I need to look up this uh, Luan Quinn more to find out yeah. more of what she's done. Because yeah, even... This is fantastic. Even I think that I, I would be curious to see what other work this um, this company has done because it's just such a clever little game that's... You know, we I, granted, we've seen other transparency games. Gloom, obviously, is the famous one. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just... It's very clever and very... The way it's scored and the way you bet and the... The conveyor, you know, it's just, it's a very clever little game that's very different from anything we've played. Um, and I think anytime you see something like that, you have to kind of take notice of the company that made it, you know, because we definitely have favorites. You know, we've talked many times about how we really like plaid hat games. Mm-hmm. We, we have not met a plaid hat game that we didn't like. Um, and so we're always looking for another company that ha- we can kind of say the same thing about. Okay. So, yeah. So, once again, that was Canvas by Road to Infamy Games. Let's focus back more on the fun of things by going back to our childhoods, tapping to our inner child, and going to our escape room report with the Skate Games Irvine Playground. So Lauren, this time for our escape room report, we once again have a very special guest with us who did the escape room with us. Yes, among a couple people, mm-hmm. we are the other podcast we were a part of, Moral Combat. Uh, we had a, a semi get together. Well, we had a Moral <laughs> Combat escape room essentially. Um, you know, Johnny was all the important people were there. Johnny was there, <laughs> you were there, I was there, Matt was there. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you and might call it a combat convention. Yeah. <laughs> David was there in cardboard spirit. I put out a 
a wooden stick with his face on it that I printed off and then so welcome Matt hello thank you for having me guys <laughs> so yeah we got a chance we were very grateful to finally have you come down Matt and see you once again in person we've done a couple of rooms with you before uh I think yeah. the first one we did with you was way back when with like the was it the wizard one the wizard knockoff or the cartel was... one that we did it was we did both we, the of first those. one we did was the wizard one. Well, I mean, the and first then one I we did. Went and did the cartel. Yeah, yeah. The, the knockoff wizard we one where it, it was order. like Harold Potter. <laughs> yes. The cartel one. Legally good, distinctively different. Yeah. The cartel one where I turned a corner and there was a body there and he had a gun over Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot the door. <laughs> I did have a gun. We did have to shoot something. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> But anyways, uh, we're here to talk about the Escape Game Irvine's Room of the Playground, Mm -hmm. in which we are transported back to our early days where we are in fifth grade and we have to complete all of our assignments, get A pluses on our report cards in order to make the big kickball tournament at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Was this your first time doing any of the, the Escape Room games? Yeah, so for, I, you know, normally speaking, um, I'm somebody who doesn't really like to play chains, per se, yes. because I've had <laughs> some fairly bad experiences with chains, um, mm-hmm. whether it be places that I want to name, but some of them are nationwide, um, or even some local chains. It's just been really a lot more miss than hit. So this was the first time I ever did one at the escape game. Uh, so I was a little nervous about that. And I mean, we, we knew that they had some pretty good reputation because uh, you, we were talking with you when you were coming down, and you were like, Let, "Pick a room and let's go do that." And we mm-hmm. thought this would be the good one because we actually did one of their rooms for technically our honeymoon. Uh, yeah. But the day after we got officially married, we went and did their secret agent one, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That's a really good room," so I'm willing to bet that their quality is to the same standard. The yeah, others. I mean, we kind of maybe not so much local chains, but definitely national change. I think um, one in particular was like Escapology, where we felt like. It was just a meth room, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think you say you've done the escapeology, haven't you, Matt? I've done I've done the Budapest Express there, that's and it was just that's like, the one we did. Yep. It was just meh. Like, yeah, it wasn't best. the worst room we've ever done, but no. not the best by any means. Heavy on the Morse code that one. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, we we thought that these ones were pretty good, so that's why mm-hmm. we decided to um, do this one. So, Matt, what was your first impression of the playground? I mean, honestly, you walk in and you're in you're in a kid's classroom. Like, and it was the the decor was absolutely spot on. They had, you know, so many different bright uh, brightly colored items on the wall. Everything was very cheery. Um, you mm-hmm. know, there was a whiteboard at the front. Like, it was just it's exactly what you would expect. And as as a parent who's had to walk into a few classrooms now um, for you know back to school night and parent teacher conferences and stuff like that, like. It was a classroom. That's all there was to it. Yeah. Like, I, I was in a, I was in a classroom. The only thing that was missing was the teacher looking at me like I did something wrong because I probably. <laughs> the other thing I, I really appreciate about this room is everything is to theme. Like mm-hmm. there aren't really many like oh you need to get a key to unlock something or even enter a code. There might be one code that you have to enter in the whole room. Yeah, at the very yeah, end. Yeah, I think in, you're right. In the mm-hmm. trash can, because yeah. reasons. But I mean, like, the only mm-hmm. time I really think we did, like, a, like, typical combination lock was for PE, where it makes sense to do a combination lock like that, mm-hmm. you yep. know? Yep. But everything else was nice sensors that made sense. And what's great about this room 
is it's one of those what what do you call them like web designs or something where like you could go like in multiple directions at once like a branching room yeah it's you don't not, have to follow non-linear. one linear yeah non-linear thank you you don't have to follow a linear path and also what i really liked is that on the wall there was a big like kind of scoreboard almost look at thing that was your report card that would check off once you did a puzzle correctly mm-hmm. with an a plus in that category yeah you know what i appreciate about that portion specifically though is that it makes it so much easier to keep track of the stuff that you've already done because we've all done those rooms where there's just a whole mess of puzzles and you don't remember if you did something or not. Like, Mm -hmm. did we use this? Did we do something to, to unlock this? And right here in this, in the classroom, in the playground, like it is just right there in front of you. Yeah. You absolutely already did that. Keep going. Right. Because here, if you have something with like crayons in your hand, you think it's for art. Look at the wall. Did we do art? We did. And like, you're right, an hour, a lot can happen an hour. So, I mean, there's been rooms, especially for like the basement. Well, I'll pick an item back up. Like, I don't think I used this. And it's like, no, I 100% used that. Lauren has to tell me, mm-hmm. remember that very first thing that you didn't hear? That's what that was for. <laughs> <laughs> and I think having, we had a bigger group for this room. We actually like, had a max size of eight. Yeah, there's room. still a lot to do in the room. Mm-hmm. And it, everyone was able to kind of split up and like different parties were able to work on different things. So it didn't feel like it was like two people and everybody watching, which sometimes happens with large groups. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was that was one of the things that I was most concerned about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the things we're often concerned about, let me get your opinion on this, Matt. How do you think eight people fit into that room? Do you think they, they fit well? Because it does open up, of course, at one point. But At first, I was like, there, this is going to be a tight squeeze. Like mm-hmm. the, it, That was my first thought. We got in there. I was like, this is going to be a bit tight. And then as we kept going, it opened up and there was a lot more room to, you know, play around because it's a playground. Um, and there was just so much, there was so much to do that it didn't feel like we were really running into each other um, after we got out of the classroom. Uh, once once we got out, it was like, perfect. Now, now we can go do whatever we need to do. I feel like that first portion was a little tight, but I feel like it's kind of by design. Like everyone's supposed to be confined to the classroom until they get their work done, right? So I almost wonder if that's, like you said, meant to be on purpose. Like I remember being a kid and like feeling like, oh, I'm stuck in this room and I just want to get out. I want to get to the playground. I want to go outside, mm-hmm. you know, because I was one of those kids that didn't care about school as much, you know? Um, so I wonder if they're trying to invoke that maybe by... Because, yeah, it, the initial room that you're in here feels smaller than most other initial rooms. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, you're trying to do a classroom and you want to make it be about the playground being outside. And they even tease you, you can see a window of the playground outside, but you're not allowed to go there yet. Yeah. You know, but then once you finally get out there, the relief reminded me of when I was a kid, like, oh, my gosh, the bell finally rang. I can go, you know? <laughs> right. And I mean, this room, it's, it's not super difficult, but it's also not super easy. Mm -hmm. Like there's definitely some puzzles that kind of, you have to like think a little out of the box to do. I'm thinking in one in particular where you think you have a certain number, but that's not the number because you're not paying attention to other things. (laughs) You know what? I didn't like that puzzle. I will be the first to admit that. (laughs) I liked it. I thought that was clever. You know, I, I get it. And it is clever, but it also feels like one of those items where they do this just as a stall tactic because they, mm-hmm. they present you the information a certain way and then expect you to without much reason to go look for more information in a different way and and i feel like right. you know when you when you do a lot of rooms you get and you do a lot of rooms and you get used to 
how they operate and the way that they present information, that's probably the only thing I would say I didn't like about this room because that particular puzzle was a time sink for a little while. Mm. And, you know, I, I we found everything we needed because that's what we needed to do. And then it was like, well, you don't have everything. We're like, well, where else are we supposed to find something? We've, we have physically moved all the items that you've asked us to move. And they're like, well, check other places. And I, I just, I, I wasn't a fan of that, to be honest. I'm not trying, and I'm trying to be very, uh, you know, coy about it. So that way yeah. I don't give anything away. But mm-hmm. not, <laughs> well, my big, not my biggest one. What do you think about this idea, though? Because we, all, we do know that there's such a thing as like gaining momentum. When you start doing puzzle after puzzle, you get that confidence boost of mm-hmm. like, I did this right and I did it's that all right. Clicking. What if the argument came up of, well, escape rooms need at least one of those quote time sinks in the middle just to kill the momentum so that way you can build it back up? Because otherwise, if you just burn through too quickly, then it's like 15 minutes. Well, I paid for an hour, but I only got out of there in 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, but like, I- I'm not saying they should all be time sinks, but I, I can. I think I might have a tolerance for one in the middle somewhere just to like help you kind of like reset your momentum. See, I don't mind a time sink. I don't mind a difficult puzzle. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no problem with with the idea that they put they put something in the middle that presents a problem that is difficult to overcome as long as the difficulty doesn't arise from some sort of weird logic leap that you mm-hmm. need to somehow come up with without like my whole thing is a good room is a, a good room is a room that you can get through with you know maybe a clue or two right mm-hmm. but a great room is a room that you can conceivably and logically get through without any clues there sure. has to be a way to know what sense. it is you're looking for exactly yeah, yeah. and, and this i mean particular we've definitely a good room mm-hmm. we've definitely done one where they purposely made all these logic leaps just to make it hard so that it would take longer because in reality it was probably a 15 minute room. Yeah. And we've, you know? we've all done those. Those are the yeah. most frustrating rooms. Those are and the those, most frustrating rooms. Yeah, exactly. That's where you really feel like, okay, what, like this isn't worth this, you know? <laughs> Sorry. The way that Matt said we've all done those, that's like, we've all had that date with that date where they didn't reach for the check first, you know, like, <laughs> like, we've all had that blind date. Like, I mean, okay, it's true. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. If if it's too easy, you don't want that. But also at the same time, it should be challenging yet easy enough that if you're on your game that day, you would need a single clue. Mm-hmm. And you could conceivably get through it in a decent amount of time and still feel like a champion. Because there's the difference between breezing through it for 15 minutes and then saying, that's it. Yeah. Versus just absolutely crushed it in 15 minutes and going like, Oh my gosh, like we, we are the champions of the world. Right. Like one of the ones that we did together, um, down in Marietta, the, um, the Oz room, like we got through that pretty quickly yeah. and we got to the end and we said, that's it. But it wasn't in like a, Oh my God, this is like this, that that's all we get. It wasn't, it was a, that's it because we wanted more because it was so good. And even yeah. though we got through mm-hmm. it and like, you know, 20, 30 minutes or whatever, we, we flew through that. It was like, we wanted more because that's how good it was. That's, that's the difference right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, you know, I always think too, in, in certain cases where like the basement, they don't really give you clues. I mean, it depends which room, but like if Mm -hmm. there's an actor, they might help a little 
but for example, their elevator shaft room, you're alone. They kind of have an audio recording that might help you a little bit if you pay attention, but it's not like you can talk to a game master and say, I am having this problem. Right. There is right. no mechanism for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's they, they have to kind of trust in the design of their room and you have to be firing it on cylinders to do it, you know? Yeah. I also think, though, and it, it's funny because it's just coincidence, mm-hmm. but the playground room, the delivery system of clues, I think, can also be thematic. Mm-hmm. Like, we did that one pirate room once where they were sliding handwritten notes under the door. Yeah. But sure. thankfully, the playground room... They can just give it to you over the intercom because that's how it would be from the principal's office <laughs> at a school. Yeah. Like the only thing I wish they would have done is like maybe purposely like the person cups their hand over the mouth so it sounds a little bit like, Matthew Sanchez, please report to the principal's office. You know, like, <laughs> like did you try checking under the red seat? You know? <laughs> yeah. But then people would probably be like, what? I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think we did enjoy the room. I, mm-hmm. I This is one of those ones, that, like we said, even though we did it with a full group of eight, still feel like everybody had a chance to have fun and do their yeah. one thing to shine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have to ask everybody in turn, we'll start with Matt. What was your, without giving away the puzzle, what was your favorite subject to work on? And what was your favorite part of the actual, like physical interaction with the room? Yeah very physical um i think my favorite subject would have to have been uh math uh i liked the math puzzles that they had involved because it wasn't just traditional math it was uh it was a very um was that the one that was on the wall with the with the yes. blocks i think it was mm-hmm. yes uh-huh. yeah. yeah i like that because it 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 presents itself as math but it turns out to be a uh, more of a perspective puzzle which is cool i like that mm-hmm. And uh, I think my favorite actual puzzle, though, uh, or interacting physically with the room would have had to been PE, uh, which is having to do with um, a, a sport that you don't normally play in school that I, that I enjoyed very much. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. How about you, Lauren? What was your favorite subject? And then do you have any particular physical interaction that you enjoyed? Um, well, I, I enjoyed doing the like little crossword puzzle because they, mm-hmm. they do have the answers spread out around the room. I think that that's technically find. English, yeah. But yeah, but then if you kind of just know them, you know, some True. of them I just knew. So that was kind of fun. Um, I definitely like going down the slide. Um, that was going to be my physical interaction. I love the slide. <laughs> I have not been down a slide in ages. Uh, but for me, I think um, my favorite subject uh, was probably the this the I don't know if it was nature or science what they qualified as, mm-hmm. but there it's this one that deals with birds, and it was surprising how you get the answer because mm-hmm. you think you have the answer in front of you where the station is for science, but you you have to explore your surroundings a bit more to get there, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I did enjoy that one, and once you finally get it, you're like, oh my gosh! And then like that that was like the biggest like click that I've had in a puzzle uh-huh. in like forever. You know, you're normally I'm like, oh, okay, I see. But this was like the level of excitement that I got, that kick of serotonin of like, oh, I understand it now, you know, <laughs> was much greater than anything I've had recently. And of course, I did love the slide. But um, if, if I'm not going to copy your thing for the mm-hmm. slide, I think there was this bit that we had to do in the, I, I think it was like the gym locker room where we had these bricks that we had to work with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think yeah. you guys remember what I'm talking about. Uh, and working with those bricks 
that sounds weird. A coach's room with bricks? What are you doing now? <laughs> They're foam bricks. But like, yeah, these foam bricks, I, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. because I enjoyed that type of puzzle anyways. It's, you know, and I, I thought that was challenging. I mean, I worked on it with like another person or two. Mm-hmm. At one point, I'm pretty sure there's three people working on that. And we were still like, no, 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 that's not it. You you have this backwards, like, you know. <laughs> And I think the biggest regret of, of everything at this point is that this is an audio-only podcast and no one could see you do the Kermit arms when you talked about how excited you were when you finished your bird puzzle. <laughs> I do. I, the one thing I don't like about this location is, I, I mean, I know it's part of a large franchise that's all over the country, but um, the escape room or the escape game, that's mm-hmm. what they call it, like, I feel like I'm not saying the name of a company, but just escape rooms, essentially, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I they find it to, hard to... They, well, that's the thing. We talked years ago about like, oh, uh, so every room has the word escape, key, or out yeah. in their names. You know, like get out, <laughs> 60 out, you know, like... Lockout. <laughs> lockout, you know, um, the, the solution is key, whatever, yeah. you know? Um, what was I going to say? So, you know, this, this room, the playground, uh, they did a, a reskinning of it, uh, in Vegas, I think. Oh, really? Uh, recently mm-hmm. to where it's, it's now an officially licensed Rugrats escape room done over the playground. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm so down I've heard that, good by things. the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. you tell me there's a reptar. I need a reptar in my life. I think there is. I haven't seen it. It's just one of those ones where when I if I get the chance to go out to Vegas again, I, I definitely want to do it, even though I've done like the playground at this point. Like I want to do it. Because they have mm-hmm. an escape the thing game about the located. playground is that there's so many different subjects and puzzles, like you can do something else. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could physically look different because this one's inside of um the mall inside of uh is it Caesars? Yeah, it's inside Caesars caesar's palace sure uh there's a mall inside there and they have their location located in there so i definitely want to check that one out yeah roman rugrats that makes sense (laughs) but i think overall i mean i would highly recommend this room we did it twice and we enjoyed it we've done it twice yeah i think i think matt you'd probably recommend it i don't want to speak for you absolutely yeah it was a really good room i i really enjoyed it and you know it'd been a while since i had since i'd played a room so i was a little uh nervous about being rusty uh just because you know with everything with the lockdown and everything there mm-hmm. have been a lot of chances for me to go out and play uh play any rooms uh but it was really good uh the our game master was very impressed with uh with all of us and our group effort which i feel like really set us up for failure with the next room that we did <laughs> yeah we'll yeah. talk about that in, in a future episode <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I promise you this one is coming up first. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us this time, Matt. It was good to talk to you and glad to have you join us. We hope to at some point in the future, have you and Johnny and uh, hopefully even your brother, David, come and join us for an escape room. Absolutely. You know, we'd love to. Okay. Uh, So Matt, before you go, do you want to go ahead and plug uh, Mortal Kombat for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the other podcast we're all a part of is called Moral Combat. You can come hang out with us every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time over at twitch.tv slash naturalhattrick, N-T-R-L-H-A-T-T-R-I-C-K. Uh, or you can go check out our website, moralcombatpod.com, or search Moral Combat Pod on any of the social media platforms or uh, your favorite listening platform to hear our podcast. We argue about pop culture tournaments where we uh, get topics such as 
the most overrated 80s movie or the best one hit wonder from the 90s or the best pixar villain and we draft a bunch of uh combatants that we as we call them and we match them up each week and we argue and then at the end of the at the end of each episode our our listeners vote for who they think should move forward in each match wash rinse repeat until we have a champion so come hang out awesome and once again uh the room that we did was the escape games irvine the playground thanks for joining us matt we will see you next time well, I had a good time with uh, my little fake David head in that room. You know? I mean, I was really annoying people going like, yeah, I think that's right, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely um, a fun room to do as a big group. Yeah, that was the first time I think we ever did a group that big of like eight people. But And we may have done that before, but not for a very long time. Not for a very time. long time, yeah. but it was very, very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite rooms. I mean, I'd yeah. be willing to go back and even do that room again, just because uh-huh. it is such a well-themed room. Yeah, it's really, really enjoyable. Cute. But speaking of other favorites, let's go on now to our Friday favorites. So my Friday favorite is definitely one we've talked about many times before, but with a twist. Um, we are big fans of the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts game. Mm-hmm. Um, our friends owned a copy. We ended up getting our own copy because we liked it so much. Um, and of course there's several expansions and we just got a chance just the other night to play the, uh, one of the latest expansions, which is the, uh, Potion and Charms class expansion. Yes. Um, and this one, it's definitely interesting. It does add... A lot to the game so like if you've never played just the base game i wouldn't jump in with charms oh just no. because it adds a whole other new complexity I don't think you and could challenge. just jump in like that yeah and and we you know we've said before that this game um battle of hogwarts it's it's a challenging game you know um for sure i'm sure some people who play it just like this is too hard. We've even kind of come up with our own house rules. We have to come up with house rules. Otherwise, it is way too punishingly hard. Yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, although there's a lot more abilities and certain things do become more complicated with this game, um, they're also, because of some of these abilities, they they kind of rescale things a little bit to make it so it's not just impossible just when you start with. True. You know, so even though you start out with a very base deck and you don't have anything... Um, you know, we were able to very quickly through some of the, um, extra bonus choices we had made and things like that, we're able to buy larger ticket items or more meaningful items and, um, do, you know, do well enough anyway. I mean, we were able to win the first time, Mm -hmm. um, basically. So, which sometimes doesn't happen in that game. Rarely does that happen. (laughs) Especially when, you know, you're just starting out and you don't have, um, any gear and stuff like that yeah but um definitely yeah do not start off with this expansion straight away you have to build up to it because too many elements will have been introduced for yes. how the gameplay works that you'll be confused on and it, yeah and definitely things become a lot um a lot more difficult especially when you start dealing with um what is it the those other challenges you have to do i think what they're called but essentially the challenges yeah where it's like in the middle of the board they add these new cards mm-hmm. that are like Oh, by the way, if you have three items in your hand at the start of your turn, then you get punished. And the only way to overcome this is on your turn to play four items from your hand. Yeah. Like, um, in, and, in some way, shape, or form. And so they're like, always very hard. Like, it's that's not an easy task. Like, it so might yeah. sound simple, but having well, that many items is, in your hand. it's easy later on in the game, but, like, to keep getting punished for that until you can eventually buy the items to be able to have that combination yeah. come up. 
we only got it just on my term happenstance because I was and like, that was, oh, wait a second. And yeah. that was very late in the game. Yeah, all of a sudden we were like able to knock him over like dominoes, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, we could have been really in hurt. Yeah, and, and so just having that extra kind of thing that's punishing you in addition to your villains and in addition to your dark arts cards, like that's a lot to keep track of and very complicated. Um, so if, you, if you've never played the game before, um, definitely just start out with the base game. The one thing I really did like, though, is the flexibility that it gives the players at the start before mm-hmm. you even begin. Because this is the second expansion that happened. Yes. The first expansion, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't think this came in the base game. Did the did the base game have the class things? Like, oh, I'm a dark arts, defense against the dark arts proficiency? I, I honestly don't remember. I don't, I don't think it did. But anyways, um, in, in the... In the I think it does actually. I think later on near the end, yeah. So, <laughs> at the end of like the base game, I think it is like book six or seven, you get to have kind of like a um, a major. Yeah. I see it as like, oh, I'm gonna major in transfiguration. Yeah. I'm gonna major in potions. Yeah, I think what it is is I don't think you get the patronuses until that's what it was. Yeah. Until the next. So expansion. so in in the base game, like I said, near the end, you get your class major. In the first expansion, the monster book of creatures or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the words are you get the chance to replace that with your character's Patronus. You can't have them both, but you can choose one or the other. Uh-huh. Also, you do get a different version of your base character, like Harry or Hermione's uh, ability. Mm-hmm. So like, you can choose which one of these, which one of those. Then also in this one, they give you that charms board that like has different abilities. There's like a dozen of them. And it, what's also cool is that it changes based upon... Uh, how much uh, health you have. Mm-hmm. This is now the secondary shelfie of this episode because we described <laughs> it so much. But anyways, we'll wrap it up. But like, yeah, I just like how there's so many combinations that you can yeah, go through. Yeah, yeah. And you can really kind of customize what how you want to play your character with this stuff. Yeah. Um, so for my Friday, uh, my Friday favorite, uh, because we played Canvas and it was very reminiscent of it and I haven't played forever, I kind of want to go back to Gloom. Mm-hmm. I have the fairy tale version of Gloom, so it's actually like Pinocchio and Snow White, but like horrible, horrible things happen to them. Uh-huh. So I kind of want to like go tell those stories <laughs> and then possibly like, let's let's write this down and like remember to tell this to each other for bedtime mm-hmm. stories later. Because you know? <laughs> that's the fun thing is like yeah. building that story. You and know? you and you like my weird fairy tale stories that I tell you, especially when it involves the three little things. Well, or the... what you do, okay. <laughs> this little insider stuff, but... Uh, Lauren apparently never had a childhood. Yeah. And so what I'll do is when we're laying on the couch, I'll grab one of her toes and say, this little piggy. And then she'll say, like, got really depressed because he lost his job on Tuesday. Yeah. This little piggy, you know what? He's just not sure if it's going to work out between him and his wife anymore. (laughs) And this little piggy, you know, and she gets like the most darkest, like horrible thing. (laughs) This little piggy got horribly injured in a lawnmower accident. (laughs) So it, it's we're kind of already doing gloom, yeah. <laughs> but I like to like pick your brain again with the actual cards and see how it goes. Uh, well, that does it for this episode of Friday's Game Night. Music for this episode was provided by TwinMusicCom.org. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us. Also, don't forget, at TikTok, at game underscore Friday. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Mm-hmm.